Assalamu alaikum, dear guests. My name is Mohammed Samak. I'm the president of Muslim Youth in Motion. We're an organization in Vancouver, Canada. We cater to the youth uh, worldwide and service the youth worldwide. I'm joined today by Sayyid Haider, respected Sayyid Haider Al Khoui, and respected brother Sajjad Jihad. They're very well known for their political expertise and uh, their extensive bios are available uh, within our uh, conference postings. Uh, just for the sake of time, I'm going to save sharing those bios with you here. Uh, today our discussion is going to be a political discussion and uh, we are trying to answer the question and the discussion of our question, our, our question of discussion here is can the GCC coexist with Iran and Iraq? Assalamu alaikum, Sayyid Haider al Khoui and Brother Sajjad Jihad. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. We're so happy for you to join us. Inshallah, we're going to have a interesting and informative discussion here. So I'd like to start off our, our discussion uh, and for the, uh, uh, I'm sure that there's a going to be a little bit of difference of opinions here, but uh, I'm thinking when it comes to discussing relationships with the GCC, why can't we group Iran and Iraq together? I'll give this question to, to Sayyid Haider al-Khoui to start us off, inshallah. Assalamu uh, alaikum, Jamian. It's an honor and a pleasure uh, to be on this uh, opening panel uh, with you all. And of course, thank you uh, to Sayyid Jawad al Qazwini for all his efforts in uh, bringing us together. I think the uh, simple answer to your question is because Iraq and Iran are very different countries with different systems of governance, uh, different people, and uh, different interests. Um, more importantly, when it comes to Iraq, both the Gulf Cooperation Council on one hand and Iran on the other hand uh, compete for influence inside uh, Iraq. And unfortunately, Iraq is one of the uh, many arenas in the Middle East where we see this conflict uh, play out, often at the expense of Iraq itself um, and its people. And so Iraqis and Iraq is often caught uh, between the regional ambitions of the GCC on one hand uh, and Iran on the uh, other. Alhamdulillah. So, um, so I think for the, for the limited time that we have to discuss this, I think we'll mostly be focusing on Iraq in this discussion, if that's okay with the both of you. Um, so when it comes to the GCC, um, for those that don't know the GCC, uh, I guess, then uh, we'll, it's, it's the Gulf, the Gulf Corporation um, Council, and it's made up of the six countries, Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Oman, and uh, the UAE. So, I'll give this question to Brother Sajjad. 
why was the GCC formed? So uh, initially, the idea was to have an economic union uh, that allowed these countries to um, open up their borders for trade, reduce you know, taxes and tariffs, um, free movement of, of labor as well. Uh, but with time, uh, they attempted to integrate forms of uh, political cooperation and also economic um, cooperation. But it hasn't been successful at uh, various times because the states differ between each other on how to conduct foreign policy, for example, on security involvements outside of the country and outside of the region. Uh, and recently we've had, obviously, um, as everybody is well aware, the spat between, for example, Qatar and, and Saudi Arabia and the UAE um, on issues regarding, for example, Syria and Turkey and Iran and Yemen. And so the GCC at the moment is sort of um, is split in terms of you know, political orientation, but uh, certainly it has a lot of economic power. Um, and with the sort of recent thawing in relations between Saudi and, and Qatar, the hope is uh, for those countries that the economic um, imperative The need to uh, uh, to be quite cooperative uh, in a difficult you know period of time for the entire world. We have the pandemic, we had the downturn in oil prices, with several security challenges in the region. Will overcome any of the political differences these countries have. Inshallah. Haider, um, my next question is: Why did the six GCC countries exclude Iraq? and it being the only Arab Gulf country to be excluded? I think you have to go back to uh, 1981, uh, when the Gulf Cooperation Council uh, was first uh, formed. 1981, of course, was just two years after the Islamic Revolution um, in Iran and shortly after the start of the uh, Iraq-Iran war. So the GCC formed uh, as a union, although they were very careful not to mention security or military or defense uh, when forming the GCC, but largely was formed uh, because of the perceived threats uh, from Iran. But when it comes to Iraq, uh, the GCC supported Iraq in the war against Iran. They funded Iraq in the war against Iran, uh, but they didn't really want to be uh, fighting the war themselves. And hence, um, uh, Iraq wasn't uh, included, but, but for them it was very important whilst the war was ongoing between Iraq and Iran uh, for them to make sure the, the Persian Gulf and Strait of Hormuz was safe uh, for the exports um, of oil. And then of course this was in the 80s and in the 90s uh, Iraq in 1990 invaded uh, Kuwait, so of course joining the GCC uh, wasn't an option. And even after 2003, when the political order in Iraq uh, was changed, uh, by and large, the GCC refused uh, to engage with the political system uh, because of Iran's increased influence in Iraq and the heightened uh, threat the GCC felt uh, inside Iraq. Very well. That's, um, and, and Brother Sajad, do you have anything to add? No, I think Sayyid Hajar said it very, very well. Obviously, uh, Iraq's aspirations is to be uh, closely tied to the rest of the Arab world, to the rest of the 
Gulf region. And so I expect um, with time that uh, Iraq develops its economic relations with Saudi and the UAE. At the moment, it's on a very positive uh, trajectory for relations with, with Kuwait. Um, and then, you know, if the GCC is still around in, say, a decade, um, potentially Iraq could become a member. If it's not, then I think something else will take its place. But certainly Iraq is um, looking forward and, and aspiring to be uh, part of sort of the wider Arab uh, countries' uh, economic unions. So it's interesting that you say that uh, Iraq is, is interested and they're, they are, you know, obviously always wanting to improve their relations. How have they improved their relations in recent years? We'll give this question, uh, start, start us off with uh, Sajjad. So, I mean, we've had uh, restored diplomatic relations with, for example, Saudi, um, with Qatar, um, and, and several other countries in, in the rest of the Arab world as well, which were, you know, cut off some of them for um, 20 years plus. Uh, so that's that's been positive. Second, you've had sort of more delegations and um, trade delegations, governmental officials shuttling between the two countries, participating in sort of exhibitions and uh, trade fairs, things like that. We've had also um, an increase in numbers, for example, of, of Iraqi pilgrims going to Hajj and Umrah um, throughout the year, which has um, helped to sort of um, increase cooperation between Iraq and, and Saudi Arabia. We have now the possibility of um, for example, countries like Saudi and UAE being more invested in, especially southern Iraq, in the energy sector, potentially in agriculture. We've had the reopening of um, the Saudi-Iraqi border for commercial traffic. So, you know, these are all kind of small steps, but the fact is, you know, 15 years ago, relations were non-existent or very, very hostile between, you know, Iraq and several other countries. But I think the trajectory is very positive going forward. And Sayyid Haider? Yeah, I mean, Sajjad was absolutely right in answering the first question uh, that really there isn't unity within the GCC uh, itself. With the blockade on Qatar, the Saudi-led blockade, you pretty much had uh, Saudi, the UAE and Bahrain on one side, Qatar on the other side, and uh, Kuwait and Oman uh, in the middle trying to uh, restore relations. But despite there not being unity in the broad sense, after 2003, um, it really was a Saudi decision uh, to not engage with the political uh, process in Iraq, um, pretty much boycotting Iraq. And in that respect, uh, the rest of the GCC fell in line. Much of the, the Arab world actually uh, fell in line. Again, because of the fear that Iran would use Iraq uh, as a base to threaten their interests and also to be frank uh, very much uh, for sectarian uh, reasons too. Uh, but as Brother Sajjad mentioned in 2015 uh, Saudi Arabia opened uh, its borders. The Ar'ar border crossing actually just a few months ago uh, was opened and that had been closed for over 30 years. So relations have been steadily uh, improving and actually much more recently uh, negotiations between the GCC and Iraq to uh, actually connect the electricity grid uh, right. from Kuwait to Iraq uh, is going to immensely help Iraq uh, with its chronic shortage uh, of electricity. Uh, and it's this very much economic uh, support and integration which will be felt in the summer when we reach peak uh, electricity uh, demand and of course this also has a political 
uh, angle, given Iraq imports so much energy uh, from Iran and, and uh, Iraq imports so much energy from uh, Iran and Iraq wanting to balance uh, its relations uh, in the region. So there's a political dimension to this uh, electricity interconnection, but things are moving in a very uh, positive direction. Right. So it seems like Arat um, has made a lot of efforts to strengthen their relationship, obviously. Um, but is it important for the GCC to, to include Arat in these discussions? Brother Sajjad? I mean, it's not, it's not on the agenda at the moment. And I think it's difficult to argue that you know, Iraq has to be involved in sort of every discussion and every topic of GCC meetings. Um, but I would like to think that, uh, number one, the GCC countries are interested in developing ties with Iraq. Number two, they realize the importance of uh, you know, working with Iraq on the economic front. There's a lot of potential in, in Iraq. And even things like you know, coordinating on energy policy, for example, to influence oil prices is, is immensely important. Uh, beyond that, obviously, we have the issues of security, um, the issues of you know, the sectarianism that affects in time at least, coordination on Syria policy, and perhaps most importantly is you know, the Iraq's relations with Iran and how useful that can be to de-escalate tensions uh, in the entire region. So I think going forward, sort of the GCC countries um, would like to make best use of their ties with Iraq, but uh, it's as if you know it takes a bit of, bit of time to make a lot of progress. So you get several small steps of progress, but uh, in terms of sort of a strategic shift, it's taking sort of longer than than we would expect or would like. But on the uh, sort of Iraqi side, I think everybody's looking forward to having improved ties with many of the countries in the GCC. Uh, so I'm I'm sure that a lot of people around the world will be wondering, like, okay, why is this important? Why does it matter if the GCC coexists with Iran, Iraq, um, you know, this is a very small or very zoned in issue to the Middle East. Um, so why is it actually important for the rest of the world that the GCC does coexist and live harmoniously with Iran and Iraq? For uh, Sayyid Haidar. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the short answer is because over half the world's Proven oil reserves lie in this region, so it may be a small region, but it's of vitally strategic importance to the rest of the world. Uh, and not just over half the uh, world's proven oil reserves, but around 20% of the entire global oil supply uh, goes through this very narrow uh, Strait of Homos in, in, in the Persian Gulf. So geographically, it's, it's one of the most uh, strategically uh, important uh, waterways in the world. Um, but furthermore, the, the Persian Gulf, this region, uh, literally connects Asia with Europe. And it's a massive trading hub uh, as well. If you take the GCC uh, as a whole, it's the 11th largest economy uh, in the world. I mean, comparable to, to Canada, uh, and to Russia, and it's the fourth largest exporter uh, in the world, after only China, America, uh, and Germany. So again, it's very important for trade, it's very important for stability, it's very important for uh, energy security. And lastly, I would just add, uh, given Iraq shares a border uh, with Turkey, many European states consider 
Iraq a neighbor to Europe. So, of course, any instability in the Persian Gulf, any instability in Iraq is going to have a knock-on effect uh, on Europe. And, and we saw this uh, most recently with the crisis in Syria and the massive influx of millions of refugees uh, fleeing to Turkey and then from there uh, to Europe. And so, yes, it's a, it's a very small part of the world, but it's extremely important. And that's why everyone's eyes uh, are on this region. And uh, because of that influence and that, um, like you said, it's, it is a small region, but it has a huge influence on the rest of the world. Does that have to do with why the Western powers feel threatened by a complete union in the Middle East? Brother Sajjan? Um, I mean, that may have been true in the past, you know, when, for example, OPEC was formed and led to sort of, you know, oil crisis in, in the 70s. And there was friction between sort of America and um, several Middle Eastern countries, you know, in the past decades. But I think that's probably not as important as it was. I mean, so, you know, for example, America is no longer dependent on oil imports uh, from the Middle East. I think, you know, Europe is also making progress with renewable energy. Um, and certainly there is um, less imperative and um, even less justification in the eyes of citizens. In um, I think because Iraq, for example, or you know, several countries in the East no longer hold the same importance as they did, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, um, or even 10 years ago, that means that um, there is going to be less involvement, less attention to the Middle East. And therefore, if some of these countries decide to become part of the union, if they decide to um, agree on sort of security, I think probably the West is going to pay less and less attention going forward. I'm not saying this is going to happen in a year's time, or two years, maybe over the next decade and even further ahead. I just think that um, the Middle East will have to rely on itself more. It will have to look inwards more, be concerned about you know, relationships among each other without a foreign broker like the US, for example. And obviously the challenge is going to be that a lot of the petrol dollar states um, in 20 years' time, for example, you know, oil is not going to be as important. Um, the economy, global economy will have moved on, technologies will have moved on. Uh, what are these countries going to do? How are they going to keep their economies going? For a country like Iraq, which is 95% you know, dependent on oil, so what's it going to do if it, the oil price crashes or if people just don't buy oil? Like they don't need it. What are they going to do? These sorts of questions are going to concern and keep I mean, people really busy but not worry some people based in America or Europe elsewhere because they would have moved on from the region. Uh, Sayyid Haider, are you able to elaborate a little bit more on how the Middle East needs to rely on itself? I think, again, the situation is very different when it comes to uh, Iraq and Iran. So when we talk about uh, a union being a threat uh, for the West, actually the West is actively encouraging uh, Iraq to have stronger ties with the GCC. And of course, uh, Sajjad is absolutely right on the uh, importance of oil not being as important now as it was 20, 30 uh, or 40 years ago. But of course, uh, a cynical take on the dynamics in the region is that Iran uh, represents a threat to the GCC, without which it would be very difficult uh, 
for the Americans to justify the sale of you know, so many advanced weapon systems uh, to its Gulf Arab allies. And the numbers, quite frankly, are staggering. Uh, over the last 10 years, 40% uh, of British arms sales were to Saudi Arabia. Right. The Saudis are also the biggest importer of arms uh, from America, and almost over $100 billion worth of arms were sold just uh, uh, last year. So even if you take oil out of the equation, there remain strong political, economic, and trade ties uh, with the GCC, which is seen as one of the uh, strongest allies of the West in the region after Israel, of course. Thank you, uh, Sayyid Haidar. Uh, we are running out of time. Um, I'm going to ask uh, this, uh, I'm going to, I guess, um, uh, haste, uh, like speed up the conversation here. Uh, do you ever see a scenario whereby Iraq becomes part of the GCC? I know, Brother Sajjad, you mentioned that uh, it might look something different, um, but is that a scenario that you see um, happening? I mean, there's, it's, there's potential. Uh, it could happen. Um, I don't think it's on the cards, sort of in the short to medium term. I think you know, longer term, maybe towards the end of this decade, maybe into the next one, there's, there's certainly potential for that. I think um, even if Iraq does not join the GCC in a formal sense, it still can be um, you know, a, a partner with the, the GCC union. It could um, in, improve its relations, trade more, for example, cooperate more. I don't think it necessarily has to be a part formally of the GCC to cooperate with it. Said Haider, uh, can I get your opinion on this? Yeah, I, I, I agree very briefly. I think it's, it's likely Iraq will uh, continue to strengthen its ties with the GCC. We'll see probably more economic, political, possibly even security ties going forward. But I don't think Iraq will ever formally become part of the GCC, uh, mainly for political reasons. I mean, the system of governance in Iraq is entirely different uh, right. to the monarchies of the Arab Gulf. In Iraq, we have a parliamentary democracy with many competing parties and factions. Um, and it's much more difficult to make these strategic long-term uh, decisions, unlike in the states where such decisions rest with just one man. So beyond this area, we've seen uh, talks with, for example, Jordan and Morocco to join the GCC. And of course, both of those are also uh, monarchies, but I don't think we're going to see Iraq uh, anytime soon, and, and, and certainly there are no talks uh, about Iraq becoming a part of the GCC. Um, uh, we can hope. All the nations have a cohesion and a coexistence. So our, I guess I will for our discussion today. Do you believe, Brother Sajjad, that the GCC can exist, coexist with Iran? Well, I mean, it doesn't matter if I believe it can. It has to. Um, it's, you know, they are in the same area. They are neighbors. Um, they cannot avoid each other. And uh, they've managed to survive this without any sort of wars or um, 
anything dramatic, too dramatic happening. So I think you know, the future holds the potential for more cooperation, obviously. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure to reach peaceful settlements. You know, the amount of, as I said, Haider mentioned, the amount of weapons that have poured into the Middle East, the amount of people that benefit from increased tensions between these countries um, is it, just horrendous. And I think it makes much more sense for these countries rather than spending all their money on weapons and um, increasing hostility amongst each other to focus on development, to focus on the post-oil uh, future. And so, uh, you know, I think they have to coexist. And at the moment, uh, I think there's more realization that there's a lot of harm being done because of political differences, where it actually the differences between peoples in each country are very, very minimal. Since, uh, since they have to coexist, I guess, um, I'll, uh, I will ask Sayyid Haidar, do you believe that the GCC also has to coexist with Iraq as well? I think so, yes. Um, and I think we are largely moving in this direction. Of course, uh, with Iran, for the reasons we've already talked about, geography, demographics, uh, politics, uh, it becomes much more difficult. But this uh, current government uh, in Iraq, led by Prime Minister uh, Mustafa al-Kadhimi, actually laid out very clearly that balance uh, should be a key uh, pillar in Iraq's uh, foreign policy. And much of this work, uh, much of the groundwork for Iraq's improving ties uh, with the GCC was actually laid by former Prime Minister uh, Abadi. So Iraq very much wants to become an anchor in this increasingly uh, chaotic region, not just a battlefield uh, where these regional and international uh, proxy wars uh, are fought. And of course, with Iran, it's not just for the sectarian reasons you often hear in the media and in policy discussions, because one side is Shia, one side uh, is Sunni. Uh, politically on the ground, they are often on opposing sides of conflict, whether it's here in Iraq, whether it's next door in Syria, or whether it's in uh, Yemen. Um, but as Sajjad said, this, this simply isn't uh, sustainable and everyone is being harmed uh, from this. And, and there has to be a different uh, future for all our sakes. Inshallah, we can, we can always hope and pray, inshallah, that um, that, that is the case. Um, well, that concludes our uh, discussion for today. Um, thank you, Sayyid Haidar. Thank you, Brother Sajjad. We'll, we'll start with uh, Brother Sajjad. Uh, do you have any, uh, anything you'd like to share about your work or uh, what you're up to these days? Um, well, I'm based in, in Baghdad, so um, I'm very interested in what's happening here on the ground. Um, I do tend to sort of publish a lot of commentary and um, think pieces on, on policy towards Allah. So it can be good for a lot of people who are concerned about what's going on in the East to read up. Not necessarily what I write, but to, to read up a little bit more, to be more informed of what's going on. And I think uh, once, obviously, travel is, uh, is normalized and people can travel again, I think people will be surprised to see that Iraq has a lot of potential and it's maybe not as bad as what they may have in the press. Um, inshallah, people come to Ziala, people come to visit Baghdad and elsewhere, and I can see that there's actually a lot of potential here with obviously young people, but um, as a whole country, I think there is complete uh, confidence that it will recover from you know, the dark days that we've had in the past. Inshallah. 
Uh, I encourage anyone who's interested in the political discussion to follow uh, Brother Sajjad Ziyad on Twitter. He's very active. Uh, Sayyid Haidar, uh, is there anything you'd like to share about the work that you're doing uh, currently or what, what you're up to these days? So, uh, I'm also based in uh, Baghdad and uh, I'm actually setting up a think tank uh, called the Middle East Council, which will cover very much the same topics we're talking about today. Uh, but not a think tank in the traditional sense of just publishing studies and papers, actually creating a platform uh, and a venue to have uh, track two dialogue initiatives where we can bring in uh, neighbors from around Iraq to, to sit together and to discuss these uh, highly sensitive topics away from the uh, uh, media spotlight. Inshallah. And uh, Sayyid Haider is also very active on Twitter. So if you are interested in, in what they have to share, Inshallah, please do follow them. Um, inshallah, uh, that concludes our discussion. Um, once again, I'd like to just share that um, uh, I'm part of an organization called Muslim Youth in Motion. Uh, we're, we're trying to get as much traction as we can. Um, and uh, service the youth. We have uh, a lot of great programs. Please look out for us on Instagram. Uh, we're always posting, trying to get the, the next, uh, you know, um, I'm trying to be involved and, and, and help the youth as much as we can worldwide, inshallah. Thank you, everyone. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.